Yeah. Um, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do worship at the end. I hope you guys don't mind. Um, we're going to get into our study in a little bit. Just wanted to let you guys know, a lot of you guys know uh, Jacob and Sarah, young couple, beard, awesome looking beard that Jacob has. But anyways, um, Sarah had the little baby, little uh, Laura Rose Joy Garcia, eight pounds, six ounces. She was supposed to get induced yesterday and she didn't have it until today. So poor girl, but everything's cool. Everything's awesome. We have, we added to the church family a little little baby girl. And so what I want to do before we get into our our study, I just want to just we're singing I will worship you for who you are. So let's just spend some time in prayer but not asking. I just want prayer and worship. Let's just worship a little bit in prayer. Just thanking him for who he is. And however the Lord lays it on your heart, it doesn't have to be a long prayer, short prayer. If there's silence, let's just be in silence for a little bit before our Father. And so, Suzanne, start us off. Oh, yeah.
glorify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, Lord, that your name will be glorified and lifted up on high, Lord. You are the God who saves. You are the God who cares, Lord. You are all those things, and you've given us your word. And even right now, Lord God, I just pray that, God, you would just let your Holy Spirit fall upon this place. <clears throat> Use me for your glory, Lord, and help my brothers and sisters to have ears to hear your word, Lord. Encourage them, challenge them, move us, Lord. And, Lord, as we worship at the end, Lord God, that we would just totally be ready to just bow down before you and worship. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Last week, uh, we finished Acts chapter 16. We were in that chapter a little longer than I wanted to be, but there was so much in that chapter that was just epic. Um, And at the end, as Paul and Silas were let go of the jail that was in the city of Philippi, it it doesn't really tell us in that chapter how long they were actually in the city of Philippi. But it was long enough for a church to get started and to get going. So it, they just didn't start it and leave. They, they started it and they got it going, which, which means that, that they, there was people that were coming and they were preparing them for their departure, whether they knew when they were leaving or not. It got going. Um. We do know that Paul would stop on his third missionary journey in Philippi once again. But not much is, is said about that trip or that time that they stop in Philippi. So, so you need to, I guess, understand that his time that he did spend with them on this journey, um, it, it, it was pretty intense in the sense that... Um, that even though there wasn't much written about what he did in his third missionary journey in Philippi, on this trip he got this church started and going. And, and, and Paul thought highly, very highly, of the believers in the church of Philippi. In, in writing them a letter some ten years after their, the first visit, after they got started, about 10 years later, when, when, when he wrote to them, he, 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 wrote, he wrote this to them. If you want to turn over there, you can jot it down. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. This, this is what he thought about these guys. In, in verse uh, 3 of chapter 1, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests, for you with joy, all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you, because you, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the, the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For all, you all, you are, you all are partakers with me of grace. Verse 8, for God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the af- affection of Jesus Christ. He had, he had this tenderness towards them, and he had this confidence about them, and again, we don't know exactly how much time he, he spent, spent with them, but there was a confidence that Paul had for these believers in Philippi <clears throat> that they would do just fine. And the reason he knew that they would do just fine is because they understood the grace of God. They understood the grace of God. Unlike what he told the Galatians when he wrote to the Galatians, And he said this to them in chapter 4, verse 11. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. And the difference is that 
that the people, the churches in Galatia had become so legalistic that they were so narrow-minded in their mindset and stuff that they were judging so many other people for the freedoms that they had. And I think that the Philippian people, I think they, they understood grace enough that they were like messing around all the time. Not in a bad way, but, but they weren't being condemned for everything they did. They just were, they understood the grace. They understood the grace and they were able to live in the grace. He says, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. I know it because you understand that it's not about your works or anything like that. It's about grace. And the Galatians just had this legalism thing that they had gotten caught up in. And so we catch up with Paul and Silas being released from jail at the end. And the next day, after they had been stripped and beaten, they had spent the night or most of the night in the inner prison, in the dungeon, and in chains... And what a night that must have been, as we looked at it last week. And I'm sure they wouldn't have changed it for the world, even though it was a dark moment for them, being, being in prison, naked, beaten, and in chains. Yet God showed up in this night season that they went through. And he just lifted them up. And God got the glory that night, because even in... During their suffering, great joy came out of it. And, and, and so I just see that these guys were just excited, even though they had just gotten beat up and stuff. So as Paul protests about how they are being released, you know, as we looked at that, that all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, man, you guys openly beat us and put us in prison, and you're telling us to kind of skirt out under the radar, he says, no, 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 we're not going to have any of that. And he calls them, tells them, hey, go tell those magistrates to come over here and tell, and tell us to leave. And so they came and kindly asked them to leave. Paraphrase, they probably said, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get the heck up out of here. Can't stay, stick around here no more. You got to go. So after they fellowshiped with the brethren at Lydia's house, they departed. They headed south before they headed west. And so chapter 17, verse 1, says, Now when they passed through Amphipolis and Apollyon, Apollyon, Apollyonna, whatever. Ah, I practiced it all day. <laughs> Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, uh, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren in, uh, to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decree of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city, when they heard these things, so when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let him go. Now notice really quick before we, we get going that in verse 1, it says, Now when they, when they had passed, um, the word they, 
Luke had joined them when they were in Troas, and he had joined them and accompanied them across the sea there and into uh, Philippi. But now he used, and he started using the word weed in the last chapter, but now he's talking about they. And it's quite possible that, that Luke, the writer, um, was going to meet with them at another time. But, but at this time, as, as he continues in the narrative, in, in, in the storyline uh, that he's writing for, to uh, Theophilus, his friend, he, he, he begins to say, now they. So, so he kind of left them and let them go. And again, a lot of people believe that, that maybe Luke lived in that area of Philippi and he was one of those that strengthened the church and became one of the leaders and then took off and joined them later. But here they, they, they're on their way and they're, they're beginning to go south through, through the mountains of, of Macedonia on this very popular road that, that, that spanned from one end of the continent kind of to, to the, the, the other end, just kind of all the way across. And, and it was a, a road that, that was well-traveled. But they were going to be going about 100 miles south from Philippi to Thessalonica. And they by, bypassed a couple of the smaller cities that are mentioned here that I jacked up their names, but they, 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 they bypassed those cities. Now, going 100 miles, it's quite possible that they stopped at these cities as they traveled. The day's journey were, was about 20 miles. If you were, like, hoofing it, doing good, you might have gone 30 miles and stuff, but, but they, they, they probably touched and, and stayed in the, a couple of these cities before they came to the bigger city of Thessalonica. Again, it doesn't tell us that any ministry went on when they stopped off in these small towns or cities. But I can't imagine Paul and, and his team not ministering. Wherever they went, they had a heart for people. But it's quite possible that these cities were small enough that there wasn't really like synagogues to meet in. And so maybe they just touched base whoever they stayed with and they were on their way. But they had a, a goal to get to Thessalonica because it was another strategic city, just like Philippi was. It was one of the, 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 the cities that even today remains from the New Testament era. And if you wanted to, to look for it or, or go there even, it goes by the name of Thessaloniki or Salonika, Salonika. So I don't know if it's a vacation place or not, but it is an important city, even today, industrial and commercial seaport city. It, it is part of modern-day Greece area. Thessalonica, or the way, you know, it, 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 it was kind of second to Athens, even in population, Right now, it's probably about 400,000 people. Um, but even back then, it was hustling and bustling, and, and things were happening, and it was a very important city. Again, it was a very strategic city. And even in the days of, of Paul, there was probably well over 200,000 people that called Thessalonica home. And most of them were Greeks, um, a lot of them were, were Romans. I mean, the Romans were everywhere. And there was also a strong minority of Jewish people. They had a synagogue there. And Paul knew that if there was a synagogue, he was going to make his way to that synagogue because he knew that in these synagogues, for the most part, there was seekers. There was people that were interested um, in, in seeking God. Especially not just the, the, the Jewish people, because again, for them, it just had become religion. But there was a lot of people that were proselytes, that were, that were Greeks, that, that had converted to Judaism, and they had been seeking the God of the Jews. And so their heart to go was to have a platform. Because oftentimes in these synagogues, um, people were allowed to speak. And Paul was no stranger to speaking. He liked to be in front. He liked to speak. Whenever the, 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 the opportunity arose, he was going to say something. And it kind of reminds us of Peter. Because when we've been going through the book of Acts, when there was opportunity, Peter spoke. He put himself out there. And Paul was just kind of like, like that same kind of guy. 
who didn't mind in a crowd being the one that goes up there and speaks. I know people are like, well, I'm not, I, I can't speak in front of people. Then you probably wouldn't be like Paul. You probably won't be putting yourself out there on a regular basis. You can do one-on-one really well, and that's cool. But not a lot of people want to go in front uh, of, of, of crowds. Paul had no problem with that. To him, crowd meant I will be talking. If they give me an opportunity, I will go for it. And that's why I think a lot of times we read about Paul and all these amazing things that he went through um, because he wasn't afraid to throw himself out there. I know we always you know, would, would, would make fun of Peter, especially in the gospel, because he would say a lot of dumb things. But at least he said them. At, le- at least he, went, he put himself out there, even when he was wrong. Most of us were going, man, I would never do that. Yeah, you probably wouldn't get the experiences that Peter and Paul had either. Because whenever they put themselves out there, right or wrong, they were going to see God work. And Paul, we, we, we've learned that, that, man, because he put himself out there, he put himself in a lot of danger, it seemed like. And, and he's no stranger to getting jacked up and beat up. And that's what happened in Philippi. And, 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 and if you can just kind of picture... It doesn't tell us what days of the week, but he gets beat up on one day. And again, he was stripped and beat with rods. So much so that there was like probably welts and cuts, lacerations and stuff, because that night he gets, or that day he gets thrown in prison. And that night, when all the rumbling happened, it says that the jailer took him home and and, and he was cleaning him up from all his wounds. So you know that, that if you're having to clean somebody up like that, he got pretty beat up. He was pretty jacked. And, and, and so that next day is when they're letting him out. But he's cleaned up. But you can tell when somebody's kind of gotten hurt and beat up and stuff. Sometimes they get a little puffy with where it hurt. And it's like, ow, you know, don't put that on me. It kind of hurts right now. Um, and, and you're walking probably a little more gingerly, you know, being, being hit with rods and stuff. And they're making a hundred mile trip. So you can imagine, I mean, maybe they weren't running. And maybe it took a little longer. But if they walked into Thessalonica three days later, four days later, you could still see, dude, were you like in a bar or something? Because you got jacked up. You look like, man, somebody just beat you. Well, they did. You know, and it's almost like, so where you been? Well, I've been in jail, um, but I want to speak at your synagogue. <laughs> I know I look the way I do, but I have something to say. Can you imagine? I mean, we, would we be that open if somebody walked in and said, hey, I just got out of jail, and I know I look all jacked up and stuff, but I got, I got a testimony. I think sometimes we'd go, oh, gee, well, why don't you sit for a little bit? Why don't you heal up a little bit before... You kind of talk to our peeps around here because, I don't know, you're kind of scaring me even. How many of us would be open enough to to allow a Paul like this in our lives? How how many of us would just kind of like ignore the guy? Because you can imagine it's been within a week, within five days that he has just gotten beat up really bad. And I just kind of think about these things because... When we look at Paul, we all, you know, you, oh, he went into Thessalonica, and man, look at what started happening. And we think that he's all like, you know, chulo, you know, all, you know, all, all pretty boy already. It's like, no, no, he, he, he probably looked a little bad. And yet he wasn't afraid to get back out there. He wasn't a, afraid to, to put himself out there, even though he didn't look his best. He was willing to continue to be out there. But they welcomed him into the synagogue of Thessalonica. And it says that he taught for three Sabbaths there. That's not to say that he only taught three times, though. Because I could imagine, again, Paul, being a people person, wanted to be in people's houses when he was out in the streets, when he was at the little cafes, having a little Bible study, wherever he went, he was going to be ministering. 
But the synagogues were the places where he could speak to, to the crowds. And I'm sure they, they followed or they invited him to go with them. And he was teaching them along the way. Because if you go into the book of, of Thess- Thessalonians, he teaches some, some very basic doctrinal truths throughout that book. A lot of them. And he keeps on referring, remember when I was with you. Remember when I was with you. Remember I shared these things. Remember I said those things. And again, the people from Thessalonica were kind of second from, from Athens. And if you know about Athens, and we'll be learning about it later, they were, very, uh, they were into idolatry. And the Thessalonians were, were also as well. They were very much into that. And so again, he is going into hostile territory, but he is not backing down. He continues to move on. And in less than a month of him being there before he gets kicked out, he has started and left a thriving and and flourishing church. He had taught them well. We we, we know from the letter to the Thessalonians that, that he has sent Timothy back to them at one point to continue the teaching to continue to, 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 to encourage them. And, and, and if you go through that letter, you know that they were suffering quite a bit. That the pressures were coming against them. We, we, we see that this mob, these people, were coming against Paul and they were kicking him out. Well, after he left, it didn't stop. But he left a thriving church, a flourishing church. Those who believed in the gospel... And what Paul had to say just fell in love with Paul. He just fell in love with him and his guys. He had a tender heart towards them. But when you look at verses 2 and, and 3, there, there, there's th- three, four, four words that I underlined as I was reading through it. It says that he went in for three Sabbaths and he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. And the word reasoned means that he dialogued with, with them through questions and answers, but it also has the meaning of dis- uh, to discuss with arguments and exhortation. I don't know if it got heated, but he was willing to argue with them. He was willing to, to banter back and forth about the Scriptures and reason with them. Again, there, were, there was Jews that were in there. There was Greeks that were converted that, that knew some of the Scriptures. So he is reasoning with them. He's not backing down. He just throws it out there. And then it says that, that as he reasoned the Scriptures, explaining was another word that I underlined. Explaining, opening up and expounding the Scriptures to them and demonstrating, proving. Alleging is another word that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one that they had been reading about. And so he's demonstrating to them that this Jesus that that I'm preaching to you, that's another word, preaching, he was heralding this, this message. He was proving to them from the Old Testament scriptures the evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. He was proving to them. And, and, and again, for us, when we look at this, is that are we able are we willing to reason with people when we're wanting to communicate the gospel are we willing to open up and expound the gospel to them are we even willing to demonstrate show them from what we know and again that that last word that i have underlined is 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 preaching or preach to announce because to them Especially in, in, in Acts, a lot of the sermons have to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, that was pivotal. That was, that was like the, the knockout punch because they were, they were stuck in their own ways and he's going, this is the new doctrine, man. This is, this is what Jesus came to do. And again, are we able to not just reason and explain to people, but also demonstrate? Are we willing to announce and to, and to proclaim the gospel and the resurrection? Can we do that? The, the, the result of all this, kinds of all this kind of ministry 
that they did was that some of them, the Jews, were persuaded. But a great multitude of the devouted, devout Greeks, more than likely those converted, that had converted to Judaism, they believed. And Luke says, and not a few leading women joined Paul and Silas. Which means, or it's another word for man, there was a big crowd of women. There was a lot of women that, that, there wasn't a few, it was a lot that believed. We, we, we don't see the multitudes like we see, like when Peter preached, when 3,000 come, come to the Lord, or 2,000, or there's just this, the whole city shows up. It, it, it was in the space of, of, of three Sabbaths that this ministry was happening. And it's interesting because, again, when we've been going through the book of Acts, we see thousands coming, hundreds coming. We see great multitudes. Well, this one took time. It was different. It it wasn't bad. It was just different. But it kind of just showed me the, the, the steadiness of preaching the gospel, the continuing and not giving up. So what? So thousands of people don't come to the Lord. Just be steady. Just go after those devout Jews or, or, or I mean, those devout Greeks or, or, or those women that are out there, continue to pour out. Even though a month might not seem long, he was able to minister and continue. He didn't give up after the first Sabbath and say, ah, I'm just not seeing the multitudes. I thought this was going to be exciting. It might have not been as exciting as maybe some of the other times that he had seen. But he continued on. Verses 5 through 9. <clears throat> it says, but, but the Jews who were not persuaded <laughs> became envious and took some of the evil men from the, the marketplace and gathered a mob and set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. One of, one of the things that results as a result... <laughs> of people being persuaded is that those who are not persuaded will bring about opposition. And this is one of those things that we have been seeing and studying throughout the book of Acts. And I think this is why one of the reasons, I mean, we've been in it for a year already, but one of the reasons my heart was to turn to Acts to remind us that that even though opposition comes, stay steady, continue going. Because any time you begin to preach the gospel, any time you begin to, to go out and put yourself out there, there will be opposition when you stand up for righteousness' sake. Again, I think by now we should be accustomed, not just as we go through the book of Acts, of seeing opposition, but we should be accustomed to that in this world against us. When we're standing up for righteousness' sake. When the world decides that it wants to do all these things and, and, and it's going in that direction and it's rapidly going in that direction, are we going to stand for righteousness? Because if you do, <laughs> there will be opposition that comes against you. When you stand up for abortion, when you stand up against gay marriage, when you stand up against certain things that the world is clamoring for because of what the Word of God says, there will be opposition. When you mention the name of Jesus, you can mention all the other gods and mention everything else, but when you mention the name of Jesus, He will divide. There will be opposition. And so we should be accustomed to this. Not that we go looking for it, because we don't have to. It will come. But you see, they became envious and jealous because some were leaving the synagogue this envy and this jealousy should have driven these Jews especially, and even those who were converted to Judaism, it should have drove them to dig into the Scriptures even deeper to see if what Paul was preaching was true. But instead of going deeper, they, they go after the evil and wicked men that were in the marketplace. It says in the, in the Amplified, the ruffians, the, the rascals, the 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 ling, not lingers but um, those who just kind of lounge around the marketplace 
Loiters, bums, thank you. Yeah. They, they, they go after those guys to come and do their, their bidding. And they rile them up. And this just goes to show that many who are stuck in their ways, in this case, in their religion, are oftentimes not interested in the truth. They are about keeping things the way they have always been, even if they're wrong. and not willing to have... An, an open mind to what Jesus has. Something new and amazing was staring them in the face and they preferred to keep things the same way. And so they would rather attack and cause an uproar than to take serious what the gospel is saying to them. They, they, they weren't happy about what these guys were coming and preaching. And if they're not happy, then they don't want anybody else happy. And again, it just kind of goes to show us that when we go and preach the gospel, there will be those who are persuaded and there will be those who are not persuaded. It happened to Paul. It happened to us. And those who are not persuaded will sometimes attack you. They will, they will make a big uproar in the house, in the family house. It's like, I'm tired of you, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, right on. <laughs> Don't be surprised. Because they couldn't find Paul and his team, or him and Silas, they went after the house of Jason. And more than likely, he was a new believer there. And it's quite possible that he was one of Paul's relatives because Paul mentions him in Romans 16:21 as a countryman, a kinsman, a relative in different translations. What we have here is others being attacked and mistreated on behalf of others. Granted, they knew each other, but it wasn't Jason and those who were with him who they wanted, but they persecuted them instead. And as I thought about this, I thought, would I be willing... Would I be willing to, to go through what Jason went through for someone else? Would I be willing to be attacked for someone else? And, and, and I might think, well, if, if they were my family or, or if I knew them well, I'd stand up for them. But what if you didn't? What if you didn't know them well? What, what if they're just a brother or sister in, in the church? Would you stand up for your brother and sister in the church and even be attacked verbally as a Christian? Again, we, 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 it's like, what if people were attacked on our behalf? You know, how, how about if you got attacked for something I said or, or because I stood up for something and they're coming against you? Oh, yeah, you're pastor so-and-so. Would you be willing to stand up, you know? And what would I do, you know? It's like, would I come to your defense? and like, man, you don't have to fight for me. You know, because I, 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 I'm thinking about that. I'm going, well, where, where was Paul? You know, when he found out that Jason was, was, was getting attacked, how come he didn't come to his defense? Or, or did they say, hey, Paul, Paul, you just stay where you're at, man. We'll take, the, we'll take the heat for you. Because it seems like right after all of that, all of that attack, it seems like the brothers from there decided we need to get Paul out of here because he just got beat up over in, in Philippi not too long ago and we don't want that to happen. And so it just seemed like they just fell in love with him and they just wanted to protect him as well. And I'm just thinking, man, that, what a pal, what a pal, you know? Because, again, it sounds like that Jason and those guys, they, they took the suffering. It sounds like there was even a security or a bond that was taken from them. But I think that they were more than willing, more than willing to do that. Or maybe they just didn't have a choice. <laughs> but when it came time for them to come to Paul, they, uh, they stood up for him. And I would think that as brothers and sisters that we would desire to stand up for one another. That we would be willing to take the heat 
Not, not fight, but just take the heat for our brothers and sisters. Because I'll tell you that it, that's going to happen more and more as the days get evil. That we will have to stand up for one another. That, that others will be attacked on your behalf. You know, uh, at, at our winter camp that the high schoolers had the other day, there was a, a 15-year-old Chinese girl that came and shared that in, in, in China, her, her parents, her dad especially, had been in prison several times. Grandma had been in prison. And they were telling them that they were going to go after the daughter next. And so they ended up sending, sending her to the United States over here. Somehow they got her over here. And it's like they're willing to suffer over there for the sake of their daughter. <laughs> but you know what? I, I asked uh, somebody that was talking to her, and they asked, so what do you want to do when you grow up? She goes, I want to go back. I want to go back. <laughs> She's willing to suffer for the gospel's sake, to, to protect her dad now. It's interesting. And so they're being accused of many of the same things that that Jesus was accused of disturbing the peace and treason and you know there's another king he talks about being king over Caesar and things like that the comments that were made about Paul Silas and, and these guys is is that these who have turned the world upside down have come here too <laughs> those who, who made those comments may have thought that they were putting Paul down and his team. But that was the best thing I could ever say about them. It's like, really? Man, I'm turning the world upside down? I'm making a difference? You know? It, it, you know, it, it seems like, like Paul and, <clears throat> and his team, it seemed like his fame had gone before him. They knew Something had been happening. These guys were doing something. They were turning the world upside down over in Philippi. And he got beat up. And I think we need to do the same here, he said. They, they're, they're saying. They're, they're, they're trying to rile people up. <clears throat> they were making an impact in the world. Paul and Silas and, and Timothy, they were making an impact on these guys. And the Jews were upset. But, but beyond that, the ruler of this world was upset. <laughs> He's the one that has the world upside down. <laughs> if, if anything, it was these guys that were trying to put people right side up so they can walk straight, so they can, they can see clearly. And the ruler of this world will have none of that. And he doesn't like for his world and his domain to be messed with. And that's what we get to do. We get to turn the world upside down or right side up, however you want to look at it. We have that responsibility. We get to go do that. And it, that it would be said of us, man, you're just like impacting people's lives, man. We don't like it. <laughs> right on. As long as they're coming to Jesus. As long as they're coming to Jesus. <clears throat> Verse 10 through 15 as we close up here so we can worship. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul and Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowd. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and received a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. It, it, it seemed like the brethren were willing to take the brunt of the persecution. And they said, Paul, Silas, you guys need to go get saved. You guys need to go somewhere else. We are willing to take the brunt of the persecution. And they did. 
When you read the book of First Thessalonians, you see that they suffered greatly. But there was joy in the Holy Spirit, it says in that first chapter. They suffered with joy. They desired to do that. And under the cover of darkness, they send them to Berea about 50 miles, 40 miles away. But these that they, that they came across were fair-minded, open-minded, and they listened eagerly, searching the Scriptures. That's what those guys should have done. <laughs> in Thessalonica, but that, was not, that wasn't the case. And they were jealous, so much so that they went following after them to persecute them, to rile people up. Guys, there, there, there's nowhere where we're going to go where it's always going to be smooth sailing. When you preach the gospel, when you stand up for righteousness, opposition will come all the time. Don't be scared. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And so let us turn this world upside down, turn it right side up, however you want to look at it. Let us continue and not be weary in well-doing. That, that, that maybe, I don't know, I don't know, again, how, however you want to look at it, if this world's upside down, that we would be turning people right side up. Or if this world's the way it is, let's turn people upside down with us. Let's be different. Let's just be different. Not weird not obnoxious, just different, steady, different, preaching the gospel, standing up for righteousness sake. And see what God does in your life. Put yourself out there. <laughs> Put yourself out there. I like that. Last night I was able to see somebody get put out there and lead somebody to the Lord at one of the, the meetings I was at last night. And it was just like, right on. I love seeing that, man. That the Lord would allow us to put ourselves out there. That we wouldn't be afraid. You know, don't be a little girl when it comes to putting yourself out there. Go for it. And you'll see what God's going to do. Amen? Let's worship, guys. Father, thank you so much, again, for your word. That, Lord, just speaks and ministers. Lord, you give us examples from those who have gone before us. Lord, to think that our brother Paul suffered. Him and Silas, Lord God, being in prison, naked, beaten, and in chains. And within a week, Lord, desiring to do the same thing that got them there. <clears throat> and I just pray, God, that you would give us that kind of boldness. That, Lord, when we suffer for being a Christian, when we suffer for standing up for righteousness' sake, that we would not cower but that we would stand firm. That we would not allow the enemy, the ruler of this world, to dictate our life. Jesus, you said, Lord God, that those who are in the world love their own. Lord, we want to love them with your love so they can be taken out of the world, just like you've taken us out. Give us that boldness. Help us, Lord God. Encourage us, Lord God, to step, step out, to put ourselves out there. I pray that even right now, even as we worship, Lord, that, God, you would draw people into your presence to worship, to honor, to glorify you, Lord. For you are worthy you are to be praised, Lord. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name. You know, now as we spend this time in worship, I just encourage you to...